Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? It's beautiful Berlin morning. A bit breezy out, isn't it? It is. It's actually quite great. It's not that beautiful, but I thought I'd just hype it, you know. Ever-changing weather. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But it's all good. How are you keeping? You're, right, you're generally good? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? <laughs> drinking, I'm drinking too much coffee um, at the moment, which is a problem. We drank a, a lot on Saturday. Yeah, we did. We and I, outside. I took your advice as well. I actually rewatched The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, so I thought. Let me, yeah, I thought. Let me not judge it. Let me not be harsh because when I first read, when I first watched it, I found a slight problem with the pacing in the middle. But I rewatched it, and actually, the issue wasn't there. What was your issue originally with the pacing? I felt it was slightly too slow in the desert section. Oh yeah, yeah. That was my that was my concern. I thought the pacing wasn't quite right there. I think what also happened was that I watched it so hard on the heels of a couple of negative reviews that that affected my viewing of the picture. And I think the problem with Star Wars, before we get into the podcast and the admin, because you've got both got a bit of both in those, the problem with Star Wars is you cannot pay attention to reviewers who don't understand the innocence of the initial picture. If you're not invested in Star Wars and its innocence, then you shouldn't be talking about it, really, because you're looking at it. It's like reviewing Marvel in the context of Citizen Kane. It's it's not for that. Ain't that deep? Yeah, it's not exactly. It's not that deep. Like it, it's deep, but it's not that deep. Yeah, I have a funny relationship with Star Wars. I'm not exactly a Star Wars aficionado, but you know, I, I enjoy it occasionally. Checking in. I'm never one of those people that will go to the cinema on the opening weekend of when a new Star Wars movie comes out. Yeah, it's not my vibe. I just wait for Netflix or when they were on Netflix, and now they're on Disney Plus. The one that worried me about Star Wars is because, of course, you look at characters that are relatable. It scares me that I I seem drawn to the kind of <laughs> shady, shifty chances so i love lano carissian and i love poe dameron i don't know and that scares me <laughs> who was the one in the in the rise of skywalker who was the back like the kind of the black market droid thingy the little tiny thing <laughs> yeah that one <laughs> that's my guy the one well, the one that was repairing oh the droid yeah. the, the small one or the, no, one, the was- one that the one that was repairing c3po to get the memory that's my dude yeah that's your energy that's definitely your energy <laughs> I personally thought Rise of Skywalker was really good. I did actually. I did think it was really good. I actually thought it was the best of that trilogy, personally. It was my favourite of that trilogy. It's a good shout. Before we go too far down the Star Wars corridor, let's do the admin and get into the Bundesliga. British Podcast Awards. Listener's choice. <laughs> Rylo Ren will not be making an appearance this week. Just me. <laughs> Please go and vote for us. BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. You can search for Stadio in the Listener's Choice Awards. And we would very much appreciate your vote because no one else is going to vote for us apart from you lot. Who are and listening, family. So a family, family. Vote. Well, I'm having a trouble. I'm having to pay him out. <laughs> You've already shaken down family and friends. You may as well get yeah. to listen to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be much appreciated if you can help us cause an upset and take this little tiny football podcast to the top. Indeed. Um, also, any other admin? Oh, yeah. Thanks to everyone who tweeted us about Ian Rush. Really appreciate that. Yeah. We also didn't mention really Gerd Muller, apart from very, very briefly at the beginning Yeah, with regards to Robert Lewandowski. So A friend wrote to me on WhatsApp and he said, I was listening to the entire podcast and getting right to the end. And I was, in, I think it was in his car. And he said he's actually anxious. He was listening anxiously. And then <laughs> when I finally mentioned Rude Van Destroy. He's going to scream like, yes, he's done it. It's a bit like when you're in a club and you're waiting for the beat to drop and it never does. 
There's a group, I won't name them, one of my favourite groups actually, I won't name them, but they once made a tune. It's the one of the few tunes I did there's I didn't like. They make a six minute tune and they never have a drop. You don't need a drop. You see? No. And here we go. Here we go. Don't there get me is. on the drop. So what, what did you do before you were a podcaster? I was, a a, I was an accountant. Leave me yeah, alone. <laughs> one day we'll peel back the veil. No, okay. you don't need to. Everyone's bored of you peeling back the layers. <laughs> Just let me live. <laughs> I work. I'll let you live. Let's get into the Bundesliga. Stop. Before. Let me just troubleshoot your audio issues. Before you're out. That's my life now. Let's get. <laughs> Let's get into I the don't Bundesliga. Don't like this. Why Let's are you get... coming for me all the time? Someone has to. There's enough shit going on in politics for people to go after. Why are you coming after me, Ryan? You've got no natural predators. That's why. You're the nice guy. You're the nice guy of the podcast. You've got no natural predators. I told you, man. I can't wait for that Panorama interview when I'm 75. I've said this before. <laughs> I told everyone, I told everyone, <laughs> no one would listen. Watch. Everyone just kept saying, what about, oh, but his laugh is so great. Oh, Moose's laugh, Moose's laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whilst he's laughing, he's also doing some really off shit. He's like, he's like fucking Cummings, man. <laughs> the lockdown violation was just a smoke screen. Doesn't apply, doesn't apply, I was out doing work. You are the Dominic doing- Cummings of this podcast. <laughs> Happy now? I'm so happy with that. That's actually made my day. Yeah, I know it has. <laughs> so happy. Oh, the die the hero, Musa. I live long enough to become the super villain. See, to me, you'll always be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about football. The villains. Who are the villains this week? Um, there's no real villains this week. I'm thinking about it. And no one let their team down, really. I mean, if you look at these, these results before we get into them, there's a great tweet by Seb Stafford Bloor where he says, actually, like the absence of the crowd really lays bare and separates the good teams from the bad because you can't rely on the energy of the crowd to galvanize you. Yeah, it reduces the variables. Yeah, and, and, and shout out to John Harding as well, who talked about um, the problem with Schalke at a certain point. It's not about club chaos, it's just about a lack of quality personnel. And I think no real villains this week just really just a revelation of the gap in quality. But having said that, some beautiful football, and I will say this in general, it feels like the tempo is a bit higher than last week. I think that just a little bit of match sharpness helps. Yeah, but it was notable. Like it was, it felt yeah. like, it, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just like, uh, it, was, it felt like actually, it, particularly the, the um, Fortuna Köln game, we'll get into that at a certain point. That felt like it was a really great tempo for Derby and also see, the quality of some of the goals. There yeah, were some beautiful goals. I've been surprised in general at the quality of the Bundesliga since it's come back. Yeah, yeah, likewise, really. I think it's testament to the players and the coaching staff that they've managed to get people looking that sharp so quick. I think it's been really good in terms of yeah. the actual football side of it. I don't know where you want to start. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe the Hertha Union. The yeah, derby. Berlin Derby Friday night. This was a strange one, I thought. So Hertha won 4-0 and I think this was a game that really, really suffered from not having the, the fans. I mean, they all do. That's kind of saying, but first top flight Berlin derby at the Olympia Stadion. I think actually having no crowd there probably hurt Union. Felt like less of an occasion. And I think that's a, maybe a struggle for a lot of these games for some teams who really, really need that galvanizing atmosphere. Hertha are looking good and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, Hoffenheim away and Union at home. There are going to be much sterner tests to come for Hertha. But we mentioned it quite a while ago, even when Klinsmann was still in charge. There were some shoots of progress at Hertha, and whilst it wasn't necessarily translating massively into results, 
Klinsman quietly on the pitch, there was a lot of noise off it, obviously, but on the pitch, he wasn't doing a dreadful job. They just weren't super entertaining to watch. But they were changing. Personnel was changing. They made a lot of acquisitions in January. And stylistically, they were starting to shift. They hadn't shifted, but you could see that something was happening. And Bruno Labbadia has come in and the first two games in charge, I mean, he's been completely faultless, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's right. And I think what's encouraging for her is the variety of chances they're creating. And we talked about this the other day, but you've got Kunja Ibisevic and Luka Bakio up front and they all offer very different problems for a defence. Ibisevic is uh, more of a link man, a great aerial threat. Kunja can create his own opportunities and is a great, just a great dribbler who really stretches the play, can hit the touchline, but also is dangerous on top of the box. And Luka Bakio is great in the open field. You know, I think actually Luka Bakio's greatest strength is a kind of what they call a broken field runner in rugby where the game is opening up, the lines are slightly broken and he can cut in and his movement's really good. He's not mm. just fast, but he he sees space really well. So the more space Hertha can create and allow him to exploit, the better. Yeah, good to see him actually kicking on a little because his career went slightly sideways. Not sideways his career, but his season went slightly sideways, as it did for all of Hertha. So yeah, that was a good, a good game and a game which tells us more about Hertha than about Union, I think. Um, Union, I think, as you're right, they've conceded, what, six and two games, but at the same time, there are other games they can pick up points. Yeah, I mean, I said that Union at home and Hoffenheim away probably won't tell you everything you need to know about Hertha. I think likewise for Union, Bayern at home and a derby away, Urs Fischer will be a little bit concerned, especially after that Augsburg result at Schalke. That was a result, actually, I think, that that was the biggest yeah. eyebrow raise of the weekend because that really... That's going to make a lot of people down that bottom half of the table sweat. They looked good, Alex. They looked good. They did look good in um, Heiko Helix's first game in charge for yeah. Augsburg. Not wearing a tracksuit. Very disappointed. Shocked the world by wearing a jumper and a shirt. He <laughs> looked good, actually. What, yeah, late he did 40s? look good. I mean, yeah, maybe yeah, make, making true. an effort after his after missing the game last week for breaking quarantine rules to go and buy some toothpaste. That's the most German way to break a quarantine rule, isn't it? I mean, it would have been more so if you just nipped out to the Spate to get a beer. That's true, actually. That would have been quite a Berlin way to do it. Yeah. yeah or yeah, a Rattler. Yeah, yeah like, a Rattler. <laughs> not even a full beer, just a Rattler. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, Schalke are in trouble. When they're not in trouble, they're in a very, very poor run of form. And yeah. there were a lot of people making noises about David Wagner early on in the season when Schalke were on a bit of a tear. And the signs were that he was doing a really, really good job. And I remember Jonathan Harding talking about it, saying at the end of the day, though, it is Schalke. Yes. And the amount of times that Schalke have looked like they've turned a corner. Yeah. They did it under Tedesco as well and yeah. looked super impressive in his first season in charge and then nearly went down. Jupp Stevens had to come in and save them last season. I am concerned about David Wagner because they were looking good for a, definitely a top six finish this season, potentially a top four at some point. Yeah. And they're now only a point ahead of Hoffenheim and three points ahead of Köln. And yeah, and this thing is you look at Köln and you look at Schalke and in Schalke's case, it's hard to see where the goals are coming from. And look, this league will come down to firepower as, as it so often does. You know, relegation battles, it's the old cliche, but it's, it's the teams with the goal scorers that get you out of jail. And, you know, you look at Union, Union have got goals from set pieces. That's their trump cards and they're quite good on the break. Actually, Werder have got a couple of quite interesting goal scorers if they can get their team playing, playing well. Dusseldorf actually as well, they look quite good for long periods against Cologne. We'll get to that in a second. But Schalke, at the moment, are looking the least cohesive in the final third. Yeah, they're struggling. 
That's a worry for them. That's a worry. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned Bremen there. Yeah. They beat Freiburg in Freiburg on the weekend, which was a huge result for Bremen. Yes. So the last time they took a point was the final game before the Bundesliga shut down. And the last time they won a league game was January the 18th away at Fortuna mm. in the first game back after the winter break. They do have a game in hand and they are now only three points behind Fortuna who shipped that last minute equaliser against Köln in the derby. I tweeted about this. I think that that last minute equaliser for Köln was massive for a number of people down there. I think if Fortuna had won that and gone a point behind Mainz and then only yeah. two points behind Eintracht, that would have looked very, very hairy. But if Bremen win their game in hand, 24 points, same as Fortuna, three points behind Mainz, four points behind Eintracht, six points behind Union. Now Eintracht have also got a game in hand, so their game in hand must be against Bremen. There you go. So that's a the, massive game then when they those two play. And Fortuna played some great stuff against Cologne, but the problem is it's still too small a sample size to tell whether they were motivated by the derby or whether this is an actual upturn for them. Because Mainz were really poor against Leipzig, but again, that teaches us nothing because they're always poor. Well, this, well, in the last this last season, they've lost they've lost thirty nil in aggregate to mm. Leipzig, so it's almost hard to tell. I think with Mainz, the weird thing with them is I mean, they have got I think, pretty much the worst defense in the division. Yeah, they've shipped sixty goals this season. Yeah, but I mean, a quarter of those have gone to Leipzig. Um, <laughs> so if you take out Leipzig, then actually Mainz are <laughs> Mainz are actually okay. They just never see Timo Werner again. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, it's I think so he's strange how Eintracht have dragged down there though, man. I mean, it's weird. I, Super weird. I, I figured it out. So since David Abraham pushed over Christian Strike in <laughs> November, Eintracht have taken 11 points from an available 45 in the league. Now, I'm just saying the two might not be linked. But they are. But they this are absolutely stadium. linked. This is Stadio, so of course there's a link. It's a butterfly effect. 11 from 45 after knocking over Christian Streich. And this is after ending Kovac's career at Bayern. Exactly. So weird. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. This season, honestly, like there are some things which have been constant throughout. Timo Werner's goal scoring, Lewandowski's goal scoring, but other things where someone has said to you, Bayern would be operating like this now, at this point. If someone told you in... October that Bayern would be operating like this now. It'd be like, no way. Mm. It's really interesting how this has all shifted around. Yeah, I mean, Bayern absolutely demolished Eintracht. And to be honest, if it wasn't for Martin Hinteregger, well, if it wasn't for Martin Hinteregger, it would have been 4-0 because he scored two for Patrick. Eintracht and then an own goal, which was so... <laughs> tried to flick it out, it hit his left leg and then went back in. But there were so many Eintracht errors and they just looked sloppy. And I think yeah. this is something that would really concern Adi Hütter. It's just... I don't think it's so much about being beaten by Bayern. I think it's just the way they gifted them so much because you don't need to gift Bayern anything. And that will be really, really frustrating. If we're going to be harsh, the opening two goals, Goretzka in way too much space. I mean, everyone knows he likes making that late run and he does it. Muller's first touch, <laughs> hilarious. They were laughing about it in the interval, actually. Lothar Mateus and the, the pundit, they were laughing at half time about Muller's control, his first touch for his goal. It was almost like, it looked to me a bit like when you throw a fire blanket, you know, over like a smouldering bonfire. It sort of threw his entire body over the ball and cushioned it with maybe three parts of his body and then <laughs> put it in the corner. But Malot again was excellent. And Bayern, you know, the, the variety of goal scoring. I mean, what, like 
well, obviously there was the own goal, but four different Bayern scorers as well. And we actually had a question from Brendan on Twitter, Brendan underscore Barca. He said, how high is Alfonso Davies's ceiling? The short answer is extremely high. The long answer is his development is really key over the next couple of years because he was signed as a left winger, moved to left back. I think he's got a bit of work to do defensively to improve that can really transform into an elite defender because I think that will ultimately be something that determines whether he has a long-term future in that position. But I mean, so far going forward, he's so, so dangerous. Teams just find it really hard to deal with. Yeah, and I think I would sort of echo that. I think that his peak is is just nowhere in sight. Mm. It was funny because there was a question the other day um, on social media, you know, which of these two players you either sign and it was Kai Havertz and I think it's Timo Werner. And I just looked at it and thought, well, Kai Havertz, absolutely. Because I always think if you've got two great players in attack who could sign, always sign the one whose potential is nowhere in sight. And I think that that's the case as well for Davies. I think he's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned Timo Werner, hat-trick against Mines on the weekend. Second of the season against them. Yeah, indeed. Leipzig looked really good. Uh, uh, weirdly, first half, yes. Second half, they turned, they, they switched off a bit, I think. Well, I think they were, I think they ended up just playing it like a training game, but yeah, it could have yeah. been like it really yeah. genuinely could have been ten. Yeah, could have been yeah. ten. Yeah, they were quite if they wasteful. Kept going, yeah, if they kept going like they were, you're right. If they kept going like they were in the first half hour, they would have. It would have been ten. Mm. But they obviously played within themselves. Yeah, yeah. Leipzig needed a win like that after hitting a bit of a rocky patch of form, and I think such a big win will be really, really big for them because they actually play Hertha at home on Wednesday. Do you know what's funny about Leipzig before I forget? Um, what's interesting about them is, you know, Pochettino came in at Spurs and he upgraded the squad. And so players that were key under the previous coach became marginal under Pochettino. Mm. It's so interesting watching Nagelsmann and how, since he takes over, different players are his priority now. So obviously we've seen Forsberg fall away to an extent. And it's just really striking how coaches can come in and see new things in players. I mean, like there was a time when you look, you look at, for example, like Spurs, I think, you know, Ben Taleb was key to Spurs' plans and now he's, he's gone. He wasn't Schalke. I, he's still at Schalke. Yeah, yeah. I, he might still be. Well, the last oh, no, he went to Newcastle, there. didn't he? Oh my goodness. Wow, okay. But yeah, Leipzig, again, like very interesting and they'll be there and thereabouts. The disappointment this weekend, unfortunately, is, is Gladbach. Yeah, although Bayer Leverkusen are looking good. They're another team that have come back from this break looking really, really impressive. Yeah. Gladbach were disappointing, although I think they were also a little bit unlucky with the second Leverkusen goal. I just cannot see how that was a penalty. Awful, awful decision. But from a Gladbach point of view, I think Marco Rose will probably chalk that up as just like, all right, yeah, that's disappointing. We weren't at our best. However, it kind of happened. And arguably, they they could have had a penalty before the Leverkusen penalty when Taram was kind of being held onto for quite a long time. Yeah. Struggled to get a shot off. I still think he could have done better actually with the shot, but Leverkusen went up the other end and then got their penalty. And I think that was a little bit harsh. There were a few Gladbach players arguing with the referee about this. It's so weird to give a penalty when you slide into someone after they've shot. Well, you, I've never seen that before. Well, you never really see it, but it also it wasn't that he took him out. It was no the contact was made, made contact on so after the fact he's still got a really clean shot away I, I find it a really strange one especially after it went to VAR I could not really understand why they gave that there were a few weird VAR decisions this weekend but also, I'm not going to talk about it while we're here let, 
No, it's fine. While we're here, I mean, I just want to say Kai Havertz. There was a question from Mash St. Paddy about what is Kai Havertz. And I think he's basically an entire forward line is the answer. He can play as a 10, a nine, a wide forward, neither flank. He's extraordinary. I didn't know, I knew he was good. Don't get me wrong. I knew he was a fine playmaker, but I didn't know that he had that range. He is getting back to the kind of player that he looked like last season, where he was hotly tipped for a potential move away from Leverkusen. He really struggled in the opening bit of the season for a couple of reasons, I think. Julian Brandt left to Dortmund, and I want to talk about Julian Brandt in a minute, actually, but we might have mentioned this before, but I think this is something that people maybe don't consider enough within football and how relationships can really affect form. Yeah. Yeah. Julian Brandt was kind of like Kai Havertz, but two years ahead at Leverkusen. and was basically like his older brother. And even though Julian Brandt is still a youngster, he's a young player. He had that extra couple of years experience over Havertz. And those two were tight. And you could see it on the pitch. They linked up really, really well. And there was a lot there from a chemistry standpoint. I think Havertz struggled, A, with the departure of Brandt. And also B, coming back after the summer where he was tipped as like the next wonder kid, linked with a massive move away. He kind of struggled. He had a bit of a break and he came back a, a lot better. He's now captain. He's looking really good. And he's someone who, talking about ceiling, I don't think it's a massive take to say that I think Kai Havertz has all the tools to be a potential Ballon d'Or winner. Yeah, I agree. I genuinely I believe not, that. That's not, yeah. You know, that, that old quote about when Marie, when um, Ozil arrived at Real Madrid and Mourinho said, this guy could be the number 10 for Real for 10 years. That's Kai Havertz. Mm. He could be a number 10 for one of the world's best teams or whatever configuration they use him. He could be an attacker for one of the world's best teams the next 10 years. Mm. And that's not an exaggeration. He's amazing. He's amazing. He really is. Um, let's quickly talk about Dortmund. Dortmund won 2-0 away at Wolfsburg. Yeah. Another goal by goal machine Rafa Guerrero. Yes. He's enjoying himself. I love Rafa Guerrero. He's just got such a cute little face. <laughs> I love him. I just like that Portugal team. I like that team that won the uh, the Euros. I like them generally. Two goals for the wingbacks for Dortmund. Hakimi got the other one. A classic combination, Jaden Sancho to Hakimi. But Hakimi got rated as man of the match. But I thought, again, another standout performance by Julian Brandt who I mean we mentioned him before with regards to his departure from Leverkusen but I think it took him a while at Dortmund he wasn't starting games when he joined coming yeah. on off the bench and I was thinking about this watching the Wolfsburg game on the weekend at how even though it's not his side necessarily it's Marco Royce's side but Marco isn't there at the moment Julian Brandt really looks like he's trying to step into that role of it being like right guys it's my team I go further. I think it is Royce's. I think it's Royce's side in name only now. There was a weird moment when he was actually back and he was playing quite well. No, he, when he was back to fitness, but he was out of match rhythm. Don't get me wrong; he was out of. So I'm not trying not to disrespect him because he's an amazing player. But there was a moment when he was back to fitness and playing where you thought, "Oh my goodness!" For the first time in years, I can actually imagine a Dortmund attack without him, and that's a credit to the quality of what the players have done in his absence. You know, it was, it was like a credit. I mean, obviously you want Marco Royce at full fitness, no question. It's just that it's like Brandt brings a new brain to it. Mm. And Sand, it's like when Royce goes, you don't replace Royce. You basically just carve up his job and give it bits to other people. And Sancho's taken a bit. 
and Brandt's taken a bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it took a while for Brandt to really look comfortable in the shirt, I think. That's interesting. I think it was a really smart move for him and maybe a little bit of an unexpected move. I don't think many people would have expected Brandt's move from Leverkusen to be to Dortmund. But he seems to be slowly starting to dominate games. I just found him really impressive again. I think he's turning in some really good performances and Torgan Hazard hitting a good run of form as well because I think he's been patchy this season. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. This is a weird thing ahead of the Classica because it's a Classica on, on Tuesday. I, I have no idea about the Classica. There's not really enough form to go off because obviously there's only been two games since everyone's come back and they've both been pretty routine for both sides. It's all very, very calm ahead of the Classica. For both. I think Wolfsburg was the slightly better test, obviously, I think, um, just because defensively they're quite resilient. Yeah. Sorry, it was good for, for Dortmund to have that problem to solve ahead of a game like Bayern. And it's good for Hakimi to get into the goal-scoring books because, I mean, that there's a guy that made a great move from Madrid. I mean, if you're going to go anywhere from Madrid, to go to Dortmund, where you get to play in your ideal position with a coach that really understands you, that's been great. He's loaned up in the summer. He's going to return. That'd be a real shame. It's like, I don't want this Dortmund team to break up so soon. And Sancho, of course, we can't forget Sancho gets the assist for the second. Yeah, I mean, that combination is, has been so done over and over again. Yeah. It's becoming almost like the new Perlo to Licksteiner. Yeah, exactly. From a shorter distance. Yeah, of course. It, elsewhere in Germany, Frauen Bundesliga returns this Friday which is good news. Yes. And also, yeah. what's La Liga back June the 8th? Oh, quick apology to anyone who watched Hartersfau against Bielefeld. That was not very exciting. Don't listen to my tips. Never listen to Musa. <laughs> Unless it's on this podcast and then listen to him and enjoy it. But That's true, exactly. And then vote for it. Go and vote. Go and vote. BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. Let's take a break. All right, we're back from the break. And we had a question from Tarek Amir, kind of on the Star Wars topic. If Robert Lewandowski and Erling Haaland were Jedi Master and Padawan, respectively, who would they be? And he's put a load of suggestions. So like Obi-Wan and Anakin, Obi-Wan slash Yoda and Luke. Haaland is definitely Anakin. It's not even close. (laughs) You think he's going to go to the dark side? I, I think he's already there. I think he's already there. I think... Lewandowski's there providing, you know, oh, look, showing him the ropes in Dortmund, try this out. And Holland's like, no, I, this is bigger than Dortmund. But hang on though, because Obi-Wan never went to the dark side, right? Yeah, but it's not about that. It's about an energy. Because Bayern is kind of like the Death Star, or it's the empire of the, uh, of the football, of the German football world, right? It kind of is, yeah? Yeah, yeah. In yeah, this yeah, analogy. Yeah. So I'd say that Lewandowski is, hmm, say Lewandowski's maybe Vader. Palpatine and Vader. No, I think Lewandowski's Vader, and I think at the moment, Erling Haaland is Ben Solo. Very interesting. Yes, that works. That works. He's not become. Uh, I nearly said Rilo Ren. He's not become Kylo Ren yet. He's still Ben Solo, but he's training. That's excellent. Yeah, I'll go with. Oh my god, you know, it's so funny. The second he said that, I could imagine him in the Jedi clothing. <laughs> <laughs> just on, Erling on Haaland. Tattooing. Can you imagine Erling Haaland at, at Bayern in five years? Just standing next to a picture of Lewandowski just being like I will finish what you started Robert I will finish what you started I can yeah as, as they go brilliant. into their like first European Cup final since 
the when they won it in 2013. Oh yeah, 2013. That's right. Yeah, no, I can. Yeah, that's great shout, Ben Solo. Perfect. That's my shout. Great question, Tarek. Great question. Okay, yeah, great I like this one from Nathan Human. What's the best solution for a replacement crowd so far? Cardboard cutouts with fans' faces on, digital screen projecting fans, or sex dolls? <laughs> None of the above. Oh, do you know why? Because well, I was I, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I was watching Leipzig against Mainz, and Leipzig went three 0 up within 40 minutes and then it just went to this hoarding and it just said Mainz stays Mainz <laughs> Mainz I just I burst out laughing because it was so hilarious and so accurate it was like you knew what this was <laughs> you knew what this was so that, that's my favourite replacement just because I think that mottos metaphors um, there was a thing as well I mean some of them have been quite bleak and quite uh, stark so there was a one for Hertha and it was like the future belongs to Berlin or something yeah, Hertha have had all of these really ropey slogans throughout the season, though. It's like you can be, yeah, but in, it was, it, there was one that was really famous. It's like in Berlin, you can be anything, even a Hertha fan, coming from their own yeah. official communications. Well, exactly. But before it was funny, but now it's quite dystopian and I quite like yeah. it. Like it was really suiting. Big city energy. But in, in a, on a serious note, do you know what, to be honest with you, I think that different stadiums have different feels. And weirdly enough, a lot of people hated the Gladbach cutouts but I didn't hate it I quite liked it out of the three options that Nathan has given the Gladbach cutouts are my favourite because this leads on to another question from Mark and Mark Y on Twitter he said thoughts on the crowd noise in the Bundesliga this weekend so I'm going to answer these kind of both at once yeah. now I think the thing about the Gladbach situation is that it's real people but it's a two dimensional version of them so it's clearly separate do you know what I mean it's a cutout of a person it isn't yeah. trying to replace them. It's an alternative. There aren't that many in there. I think there were 13,000, which is still a lot, but comparatively to the size of the stadium. They also include players. And the thing I really like about the Gladbach thing is they even put an away section. Yes, it's adorable. I think it's quite adorable. Yeah. In the kind of main end as well at Gladbach, they also have a banner that says, you know, football without fans is nothing. I think Marco Rosa came out and said something last week about it saying... Obviously, nothing is like having the fans there, but our cutout thing is a pretty cool idea. It's never going to replace them. That to me feels like a nice kind of, okay, this situation sucks. We're going to put people who are real people, have them represented within the stadium, but it's so clearly not the same. Yeah, right. Whereas with the digital projections and stuff like that, you're trying to mimic the original product for the sake of maintaining the product. And this is where it goes on to the crowd noise thing. So Sky Germany had it as an option. And I think maybe other broadcasters had it as an option. But now I watched again the Saturday afternoon games at the same time on the conference. So I didn't have the crowd noise. I don't like this option personally. I can understand why people enjoy it as a viewing experience. But this is just my opinion. But I don't personally think this should be an option. Because the viewing experience is actually secondary currently, I think. As a viewer, I don't want to be falsed into this kind of, oh, there's crowd noise and therefore I'm enjoying watching the football. No, actually, I want the experience to be different. I want to feel how different this is to watching normal football because the fans aren't there and therefore it shows how integral they are to the product. If you're looking at it from a commercial marketing TV point of view, fans are essential to the product. Now, if they're not there, don't make it sound like they're there. Right, right. To me, that's absolute bullshit, if I'm being honest. Well, the whole thing of the Bundesliga was football as it's meant to be. That's the whole slogan of the Bundesliga, right? So if you try to create something fake, 
in a situation which is beyond your control. Like it's not the Bundesliga's fault the coronavirus came along. So don't force it. Like football as it's meant to be isn't just, sometimes it's about acknowledging the lack of the atmosphere. Do you know what I mean? It's about owning it. Like, like you're saying, it's about actually, this is the Bundesliga. This is the product we're putting out there to the world. This isn't the product in its final form. And we're not ashamed of that and kind of trying to create this atmosphere of it. That's almost like a form of shame. It's, it's and here's the weird icky. thing as well. Here's the weird thing as well. You know what? This week, and this sounds really dramatic, I kind of didn't notice the absence of fans. Yes, I did. But what I mean is I, it didn't bother me as much as the previous week because I've adjusted to it and I'm taking this for what it is and I'm enjoying the football for what it is. And I'm just, my whole thing, my, my whole thought has been, to be honest, Ryan, it's like, wow, if this is how good some of the games have been without fans, when they return, it's going to be like, I reckon it's going to be even better actually. Because there'll be an appreciation, I think. That's how I see it. I mean, personally, it did bother me. Every game bothers me. I really, really miss hearing fans and watching football games with fans in stadiums. But this is just how it's got to be at the moment. And I wrote this in the Ringer piece. This is just, we've got to get through this in order for that to return. Me feeling slightly uncomfortable or not enjoying watching football as much without having actual fans there I don't know. I don't know whether if this is making sense, but like, I don't need to have my cake and eat it in this scenario. I'd rather not have the option to pipe in f- artificial fan noise to something that is totally unrelated to what's going on on the pitch because that's so disrespectful, I think, personally. And this is just my opinion. Yeah. And I understand that some people just want, want the noise or whatever and it's, it ain't that deep for them. But I think that this is where it gets really tricky for me. And I think this is where fans get really pissed off. It's just like, they cannot be there at the moment. And every single official should understand how much that sucks. Not like, oh, well, you're not here, so therefore let's pipe some stuff in. Because to me personally, having fan noise and seeing no one there is way weirder. That's way more alienating than... Yeah, I think, but I think, we you know what it is? It's like when people, when people went into this lockdown, some people were, people engage with withdrawal very differently. Some people engage with it by acknowledging it more deeply. So some people will read dystopian novels. Like in the middle of a lockdown, there are people that will go and read The Hunger Games and they'll watch Blade Runner and they'll really get into that. And they'll be like, we're in a dystopia, let's let's go full on. And let's just acknowledge this what it is. And other people will be like, I can't acknowledge the fact that I'm in this horrible quarantine. I'm going to watch reality TV and Tiger King, whatever. And I think it's just different people will respond differently. And so there are some people who when they see this empty stadium, they don't want to be reminded of what this actually is and they want to escape. So they want the crowd noise. They want to kind of like, they want the Tiger King experience. They want something lurid and disorientating and kind of, you know, Tiger King is a, it's, it's a parody of reality, right? But it's, it's, it's popcorn for the brain. And some people, they want that crowd noise. They know it's a bit grotesque as a parody of what real football is, but you just want to feel something. and what I'm doing with this uh, Bundesliga right now is I'm just trying to take it exactly for what it is. You know, I'm trying to sort of look at all the loneliness of it and try to remember this. So when the fans do return, it will give me even more appreciation. The loneliest moment of the Bundesliga so far, I think, has been the halftime of the leipzig Mites game when you have Klaus Alos doing the commentary, the punchy at halftime. You just look behind him and the co-presenter to this empty stadium 
and you know it's three 0 at half time, so you can't hype. You know, normally Sky are like tune in for the second half; it's going to be good. Well, it's not because it's Mainz and Leipzig. Nothing's going to happen, and just the loneliness of the punditry box. And I just thought, this is like this is this this is this is awful. This is this is how it has to be. And I, I'm happy to embrace that because I just want to appreciate the football even more when it returns. But I, I get what you mean. It, it's wild, but I think that we all react to this unique deprivation in ways that maybe even surprise us. I'm sure if you told a lot of those people, oh, there'll be like lockdown with no games. How about some fan noise? A lot of those people have said like, no way, no way. And now actually now they're kind of, they just want some kind of connection no matter how artificial. Yeah, maybe. I just think that fans play such a major part of being the product. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and I think it's, I, I just think it's, I, th- I think it's more insulting to fans doing that than bringing the games back behind closed doors, personally. I think it's very different to having cardboard cutouts in a game that genuinely act as, as like a representation. They're not there to mask anything, because yeah. if they were, then they would yeah. cover the entire main stand where they've left deliberately empty, because it says Borussia yeah. at, at Gladbach. I think that's coming from a nicer place. Yeah. The yeah. crowd noise stuff is purely just to bump the product. And that's where, for yeah. me, it gets a little bit like, well... You can, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't feel right to me personally. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to piss a few people off with that take, but <laughs> they'll come for us. And I know that there's an argument that a lot of people say in this scenario. Well, you know, I'm a so-and-so fan, but I live thousands of miles away from my club. Is my fandom worth less than those who get to go to the stadium? And no, it isn't necessarily. However. You know, take my own personal experience. I'm an Arsenal fan who lives a long way away from London now. I save the jokes because I can see the jokes that are coming back already about noise and the Emirates and all of this kind of stuff. But when I want to watch an Arsenal game in an empty Emirates stadium on TV with artificial Arsenal chants being pumped in to replace the people who had paid good money to get into those positions to sing those chants, no, because I think that's hugely disrespectful. I just don't think it should have been an option because I think it's it's a massive slap in the face to those those fans, I think. Can I be honest with you as well? It's kind of terrifying. Like, forget even that. Like, I'm nervous. I'm sound like super paranoid here, conspiracy theorist. I worry about a day where people look at Hollywood and go, oh, we can animate actors out of work. How we just start like animating parts of a ground or like filling parts of ground with artificial noise and then it becomes a parody of the original mm. spectacle. Like, like I say, I mean, not to labour the point, I'm broadly with you on this. I'm not really a big fan of the fan noise coming in. I like watching it as it is. Like sounds a bit dramatic, but I like it because it reminds me of what we're missing. And when the football's back, I think people appreciate it all the more. And I think I just feel really sorry for Union specifically because Union Berlin have been robbed of two of the best spectacles. They've been robbed of having Bayern in East Berlin, which would have been amazing. Having the Bayern fans in that small stadium would have been amazing. And just that entire day of all the chat, like watching the Munich fans come across Berlin. It's not just the stadium, it's the match day experience. That's the thing. Yeah. Can, can I say as well, I'm going on a bit, but can I just say this? It is absolutely mind blowing that we are even here. I know I said that maybe last week as well, but I cannot believe there is actual football being played in actual stadiums at the top level in Germany. If you told me this two months ago, I'd have been like, no way. It felt like, it felt to me like this wasn't going to happen until October. 
at one point during the lockdown, if you'd said to me, football will not restart till October, I'd be like, absolutely. So I'm, I'm just amazed that we're even here. Yeah, I think so. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, sorry, we... great question. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we wrap it? Because we've been going on for quite a while. Yeah, I think so. Another reminder about the British Podcast Awards, britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Listener's Choice Award. Search for Stadio. Please vote for us, please. I really want to win. <laughs> 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 Anything to plug? Yes. One thing to plug. The health and happiness of everyone listening to this podcast. There he is, hiding in plain sight again. <laughs> I told you, everyone. There's a Twitter account a few years ago called The Positive Troll, who would turn up and just like say really positive things and disappear again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, that's basically our podcast. Yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe and well. And don't forget to check us on Twitter at Stadio at Stadio Football on Instagram. Stadio.Football is the website. We're playing out this week with, ironically, People in Control. Tune's called When It's War. We're going to be back on Thursday. Till then, see you soon. See you a bit. <laughs>